Hey everyone, welcome to Psychology with my wife. I'm the wife. And I'm the psychology student. Welcome to episode 14. Well, this is an exciting episode, trying something new. We are obviously camping, if you can't see the video. <laughs> yeah, not so obviously if you're just listening to us, but if you are watching us on YouTube, you will see our backdrop is a little bit different than normal. <laughs> yes. I think it's more beautiful. I mean, I like your wall and stuff, but this is pretty beautiful. Yeah, so if you're not watching us, I'll describe it to you. We are literally in a canoe floating in a lake. Yes, Charlotte <laughs> Lake in uh, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, We're out here camping for a week, and we just thought, wouldn't it be fun to film an episode while we're camping? <laughs> and at first we thought maybe we would just sit in our camp chairs at the fire or something. And then we went, well, let's just be crazy and do it in a canoe. <laughs> yeah, let's float around. This is one. I don't think many people will be able to film a podcast on a canoe. So Probably not. Yeah. Although we have had a few people paddling past us as we were setting all of our technology up. And I'm pretty sure they think we're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of that technology. Mm-hmm. You're camping. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Today's episode's going to be on minimalism, uh, maximalism, and some kind of the psychology behind it, some cultural trends. Um, we have a bunch of... Um, different topics and we thought it was really relevant since we're camping we'll talk about those too yeah because there's actually we'll talk about it more later but there's of course a huge you know difference between being like a minimalist or a maximalist camper um but maybe let's just get into it first and then julian can give a little bit of a description of what minimalism and maximalism are and then we can start talking about more of these specifics yeah, we'll definitely, uh, first we'll go through minimalism, then maximalism, and then we're going to compare the both um, in the different areas in our lives. So first, mac- or, uh, minimalism, um, there's a couple different ways you can look at it. Um, the first way is a lifestyle. So you, you attempt to find freedom from worldly possessions by shifting the focus to finding happiness in life itself. The, it, this is like making intentional decisions about what you want mm. rather than just almost like the impulse of buying like, oh, I want this today. Yeah, like where people, ourselves included, sometimes buy things just for that instant gratification and rush that it gives you, trying to be more content with less things, I guess. Yeah, exactly. We should, uh, was it first episode we talked about delayed gratification? One of the first, yeah. yeah I, think I think it was our, it was first, our first. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it kind of goes with that one. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen that one, check it out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the idea behind minimalism and as a lifestyle is that you want to reduce your ecological footprint. I th- I think it's a lot about yes, the idea of reduce, reuse, recycle. But I think it's also about kind of the men- freeing up that mental space right? Because when we have a lot of stuff, it can be very mentally draining. And so I think one of the ideas behind minimalism is trying to free up that 
space of not needing to know where 10 million things are all the time, not needing to keep 10 million things clean and organized and just that simplicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's not um, along those same lines. It's not about using nothing. It's about being very organized, like you said, and everything's in its place. Yeah, essentially about intention, right? So not having something that maybe doesn't do multiple things or has a very specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, those are hard to find too. <laughs> yeah, we've discovered that with living in a small apartment in Toronto and we're always trying to make sure when we purchase something that we have multiple uses for it. Like, for example, our apartment's too small to have a dining room table. So we got one of those, like, coffee tables that works as a coffee table in front of our couch normally. But then we can pull it up and it works as our dining room table. And then it also has a whole bunch of storage inside of it. So we get a lot of functionality out of that one piece of furniture yeah and honestly like it's just because we don't want so much clutter around like you have to make conscious choices when you're forced to Mm -hmm. but minimalism too is it's almost like philanthropy and giving back it's like when you don't have to you choose to use less Mm -hmm. as well but um there's actually um, there's some research in it. There's a few advocates. Um, one is uh, Kate Soper. She's she calls it alternative hedonism. So if you go, <laughs> what? okay. Um, and it's uh, throwback to episode two. Are we? Oh, we're <laughs> we're, we're hitting oh. a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Move forward around this tree. <laughs> I think that's going to be a funny thing if you're watching us on YouTube is just seeing us as we end up in different parts of the lake as we're completely not paying attention to where we're going and then we'll just bump into things. Do we need to pat a little head maybe? I don't know. It seems like we're floating ahead for now. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) alternative hedonism. Mm -hmm. Uh, So throwback to episode two when we're talking about how you find happiness or do you find happiness from the meaning itself? Or do you find it from the pursuit of happiness? Mm -hmm. So this, her idea is that going away from consumerism and finding happiness from meaning and self-realization in life itself. And we just previously mentioned that. It's freedom from your possessions, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Like camping, really good example um, I don't know, maybe part of the reason people really like camping is it's that chance, <laughs> <laughs> that chance to really get away and not think about their worldly possessions as much. Mm-hmm. Also, sorry if there's lots of random giggles in this, if you're not watching us, there's just going to be funny things happening as we're on the lake, like bugs landing on us and different things. So if you hear giggles and you're thinking, what Julian was saying was not funny. Why are you laughing, Gianna? I promise something behind the camera was funny. <laughs> I'm actually having this really random thought as we're talking about this. So I don't know if anyone out there listening to us grew up or still does listen to Adventures in Odyssey. I grew up listening to that along with my 
brothers and I'm having this memory right now of this episode where all of the characters, um, it's like biblical lessons they're having, but in this episode, all of their belongings come to life and they have to invest, the people have to invest a lot of energy into maintaining these things. So for example, their fridge, their toaster, their oven, their fans, everything has come to life and request a lot of the people to care for them. Like they'll be like, oh, I need to be greased. Oh, I need my engine cleaned. I need this. I need that. And what's funny about that is it really brings up this mindset about when you have a lot of possessions, the kind of time and attention that needs to be dedicated to them. Oh, there's someone paddling by us right now and they have their dog on their kayak and it's so cute. <laughs> I'm just paddling right now, so do you want to fill some, <laughs> fill some space? <laughs> Anyways, where my tangent with this Adventures in Odyssey episode is going is just that when you own a lot of things, you're spending a lot of time caring for those things. And sometimes that can be good. Like there's certainly a lot of possessions you have that... It can be a fun hobby, something nice to spend your time on, but I know it can also become really overwhelming. And so I think this episode was kind of fun and healthy to listen to as a kid because it definitely made me have this consciousness about how many things you would want because essentially at the end of the episode, all of these appliances that came to life essentially took over this person's home and they were at the whim of all of their possessions and had no more control. So that's kind of the tangent I had for that. But Julian is still paddling. He's actually, what are you doing, Julian? He's paddling us straight on into a tree. (laughs) What is going on? All right, I'm back. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, apparently, uh, I thought you were taking us out into the middle of the lake so that we would be <laughs> nicely floating and not hitting things. And then he just turned us around oh and put us straight into a whole bunch of trees in the water. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> There's one behind us, too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, please paddle us away from here and I'm going to go on another tangent. Okay, another tangent that I'm <laughs> going to go off of off the top of my head is the idea of minimalist versus maximalist camping this is all going to be super out of order because julian has not talked about maximalism yet but maximalism is essentially the idea of wanting to have a lot of stuff and so when it comes to having a lot of stuff though at least if you're part of the maximalist community they say that it's not about constantly purchasing new stuff. So it's not about this unending consumerism, but rather it's about um, collecting things over time and not wanting to like let things go that still bring you joy. And I've seen it referred to online as clutter core. And so this idea where instead of hiding all of your stuff in storage containers and behind closed doors, you display it all and really like love 
all of your things and like your special treasures and want people to see them instead of making it look all clean and minimalist. And so there's this idea I was thinking of when we were talking about doing this episode about camping and whether you're a minimalist or a maximalist camper. And Julian and I, for our wedding gift, my parents gave us some really nice camping gear and we are so excited to have it and we're so grateful that they gave it to us but it was funny because it brought up this conversation with Julian and I about you know are we kind of maximalist campers now (laughs) but as I was saying this brings up this idea of being a minimalist versus a maximalist camper and now that we have more camping gear and like larger scale camping gear it's just kind of funny like when I FaceTimed my dad to show him our site to show him all of the stuff they gave us and how we're using it he was like hmm this looks kind of borderline glamping (laughs) (laughs) well I I think there's a difference between utility and going overboard yeah I would say we're right on the edge but if you looked at our neighbors the other day, he had like 50 cords running through the whole thing and he had like 10 tarps. And although, yeah, he's just using tarps. I mean, it probably took him three hours to set that all up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that really worth it? And in a sense, we're using less because we just have one single thing that's multi-purpose. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do you think we're we're glamping? I would say we're definitely getting on the line of glamping. Our tent is just massive now and we have (laughs) a crazy amount of space in it, which is really nice. And we have a canopy, which is great because we've had some rainy weather while we're here. And so we're so grateful to have that space to use but it's definitely very different now than even when we went camping last summer and we were in our smaller tent and didn't have all of that extra space like it just it's a different experience but for me I like it because it's more (laughs) comfortable I definitely am not gonna lie and pretend that I would like to be just sleeping in a sleeping bag on the ground or something like that so Maybe we're, like, not minimalist campers, but we're not maximalist. I don't know. What are we, Julian? I don't know. What's in the middle? Normalists? Normalists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is nice, though, to get the change. And especially I noticed a difference from last year to this year because we're camping longer. That You have to plan ahead and all that you're going to have although we can go to town, all that you're going to have is the stuff that you brought with you. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have the opportunity to become a maximalist. You know what I mean? In a sense. Yeah, I guess it would be. And I'm just, and that's nice to me. It's a break and it's like almost like a, a cleanse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I suppose there probably are people who do bring a lot more stuff camping than they necessarily need. 
but I feel like that maximalist camping gets into maybe more so like when you're having like a camper like an actual like camper trailer or something and you have like you know your tv in the trailer and your full kitchen and all of that kind of stuff right but there's nothing wrong with that it's just different no, experiences no definitely yeah well even this year we have our camping stove and that's so much nicer oh my goodness than just having to start a fire every single time well and it's like that's even i guess an interesting conversation too about is it better to have a camping stove so then you can make meals quicker and easier like it's another thing that you have to have you have to own the camping stove you have to buy the propane and stuff for the camping stove but if you don't have that that means every time you want to heat something up or cook something you're having to build an entire fire <laughs> to mm-hmm. do that which feels more wasteful to me mm-hmm. wasteful for your time and wasteful for the resources to build the fire but yeah no definitely um so the other thing i thought of for minimalism is those tiny homes oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that show we watched uh where they move into tiny homes a lot of the time it was because tiny house hunters i think so yeah, yeah. Is that though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the time they like, obviously they're downsizing and they had trouble getting rid of their possessions. Yeah. That actually, it stresses me out the idea of living in a tiny home. And I think a lot of these people who do it on the TV show, I would love to see like a year later update on mm-hmm. how their living condition has been going there. Especially when you see people moving in there with multiple children mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, wow no one has a separate bedroom or anything it just yeah would be a lot all right um we kind of got interrupted there we had to paddle away from shore again (laughs) but we're back yes we're back yeah we were talking about tiny homes and how difficult it is to get into that tiny living space and um you mentioned how long can you live in that small space? Um, in a sense, I, I, tiny homes are cool. I don't think it's a permanent solution. Um, it's kind of like in Toronto here. They have 350 square foot um, building solution. Or, uh, condos? Condos, <laughs> yeah. Condos. And people are okay with that. And I, I, I just don't think it's feasible living that well obviously some of it is to do with you know societal and cultural norms like we're clearly coming from a western perspective where we're used to having more space right so we kind of take for granted that we should have a single a bedroom for each person mm-hmm. perhaps a guest bedroom storage space a garage you know like we both grew up on farms so we're used to having that excessive space Whereas someone who grew up in the city their whole life or perhaps in a country where there's different expectations on the size of your living space, I can see how they could make that transition or not even a transition a lot easier. But I definitely think if you're coming from a position where you're accustomed to having more space, it would be really difficult to size down like that. Yeah, I agree. But but why is it so hard, though? I think, like, you feel like you need the things that you 
don't actually need. Yeah, our things make us feel safe. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, how many things, obviously we don't have a garage, but we have a little, we call it the void, where we just <laughs> throw things in and we, there's a lot of stuff in there that I think since we've moved, we haven't even thought of or looked at. Mm-hmm. Um, but people have garages full of stuff. Yeah. It's like, why do you need that? <laughs> it definitely is harder when you're maintaining an entire home and have like outdoor stuff to maintain as well. I can see how it's really easy to accumulate things for different seasons, right? You want to decorate for fall, you want to decorate for Christmas, you want to decorate for spring and summer and like make your home feel like it matches the season. And so even something like that takes up a lot of storage space to keep all of those items. If you need to care for a lawn, a garden, like all of that stuff takes up so much space. So it's really easy to see how people accumulate so many things. But yeah, it's just about, I guess, finding those right storage solutions that work. Mm -hmm. I think it has to be a mix too. Storage solutions... And I think you should be doing a spring cleaning every mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the stuff you don't need. Although it's almost like cheating in a sense. It's like you weren't being a minimalist <laughs> because you collected all the stuff still, right? But um, if you don't do the spring cleaning, you're just going to get way too much stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that's actually one of the things. Maybe I'll read it now, but I found a Reddit story that I thought would be fun to read quickly on the podcast today and it kind of ties into that idea of you know if you are a maximalist or just don't consider yourself a minimalist but you want to be a minimalist or something like how to go about doing that and also um kind of like the societal stresses that are placed on minimalism now like maximalism is becoming a bit more of the trend in the last year or so but it or really since 2019 but it depends what communities you're in whether or not you've seen that but minimalism is definitely still something that's like very on trend and so I saw this post that this person put on where they said I feel shamed into minimalism I've been working on having less stuff and being able to organize it, but I grew up in a hoarder house, so having a space that's safe and comfortable is really important to me. But I also like having things. I don't like the Scandinavian minimalist aesthetic. It feels too sterile. I like big bookshelves, lots of soft blankets and pillows, stuffed animals, cool rock, CDs, etc. Most of my peers, including my boyfriend, have talked at length about how they stopped collecting physical things. One of them has no physical books and everything is on an e-reader. My boyfriend basically only has a video game system and the basic things he needs to survive. My grandma frequently makes comments about how my books are going to be a pain to move when I have to move out and how I'll have to rent a U-Haul for all of my stuff. The only person who hasn't made me feel bad for collecting is my hoarder mom, who, of course, encourages it. So, now I'm worried that if I'm not a minimalist, I'm a hoarder. Is there anything, anyone here who has managed to find a balance? How did you do that? What do you think about <laughs> this idea of her stress that she's borderline 
a hoarder? I, I think just hearing that, that she's not a hoarder and that her friends are on the extreme side mm-hmm. of minimalism. So <laughs> on a spectrum with them on it, she looks like a hoarder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a good point. The first thing that came to my mind is sustainability, a duty to be sustainable um, in a sense the the Kindle and reading online. I like paper books, get more in the moment and stuff, mm-hmm. but we do have the our iPad and we read stuff on there. But what do you think? Is she a hoarder? I definitely don't think that she's a hoarder. I think it all has to do with the people she's surrounding herself with. So if all of them are being very minimalist, it's easy to have a very dramatic difference between a minimalist and someone who just has normal stuff. (laughs) 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 Like, Like if you're on the extreme side of minimalism, then... Most things people have would feel like it's an excess, even if it's pretty normal day-to-day things that they likely use often. Yeah, well, obviously, I think it's common to have, like, say, bookshelves and stuff all Mm -hmm. along the outsides of your rooms. And although it may seem uh, full, as long as it's, like, tidy and stuff, it's, to me, that's still minimalism. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Someone commented on this post and I thought their comment was really interesting because it highlighted a bit of a negative side of becoming an extreme minimalist. So they wrote, I had a friend who pared down her belongings to almost nothing and then she was forever borrowing items or purchasing things in an emergency or spending a lot of time outside of her home like most of her waking hours. So of course she didn't need the same type of things to be comfortable. I am a homebody and I use all of my possessions because I am home all the time. The most important rule for me is every item must have a place where it belongs. Surfaces should be mostly empty and ready for use. If I can find a home for an item, then I feel comfortable keeping it. If other people want to live lighter, I have no problem with that. That's just how I roll. Hmm. I think that's a healthy way to be minimalist mm-hmm. yeah this person responds back to them and says that's one of my biggest pet peeves with the way some people practice minimalism there's a certain inherent assumption that if you need things you can either borrow them or buy them which requires a enough money to do so and b enough chutzpah chutzpah enough chutzpah I think it's saying like enough balls, essentially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Enough balls to just assume your friends and family will always help you out. It reminds me of one time my coworker sold his car to simplify his life and then immediately turned around and started asking if I could start giving him rides, which would have unsimplified my life. (laughs) So I think that's a really interesting idea to bring up about how maybe someone wants to get rid of a lot of things they feel they don't use very often and to limit what they buy but yeah if you do need those things then Mm -hmm. are you constantly asking other people if you can borrow them or having to spend more money replacing things that maybe Mm -hmm. you had before you but you got rid of at one point yeah it uh makes more sense to be if you're gonna get rid of stuff like that one 
I would tell him, no, um, you're going to pay me for gas if I'm driving you around. Like, <laughs> I just, it's not free. You just got rid of your car and like, it's your fault for doing that. Mm-hmm. But, um, if you're going to get rid of things like that, I could see it being, if you had friends that were doing the same, that you talk to each other and say, oh, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this on things that you wouldn't necessarily use every day, but a few times a month or a year or whatever that you can share with each other. And in that sense, almost like a, in those like co-op poses mm-hmm. where you share things. You, not every single person needs the same item. Yeah, that's definitely fair. So are you thinking even, for example, camping stuff, right? Like that our camping gear takes up a lot of space and a lot of storage in our place. And so I can see how if you had a set of best friends who lived right near you or something and you all went in together on your camping gear and you each stored half of it and then you, whenever one of you was going camping, you each got to (laughs) use all of it. That's a bit of a compromise I can see. Yeah, and it's obviously you can't, that means you have to coordinate who's going on which weekend and stuff and that's just a little inconvenience that i think is probably something that's quite doable it's almost like a timeshare when you um share a house with someone yeah yeah i definitely can see that well so i think that's enough about uh, minimalism and our opinions on that um <laughs> i think it's easier to talk about minimalism because it's something that we're more aware of Mm-hmm. Yes. Maximalism yeah. is a bit of a different concept. Yeah, and uh, maximalism to me, the thing that interests me the most is talking about consumerism. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of we were talking before, and you mentioned um, after like nine eleven when there was a strong surge in patriotism that you were encouraged to support the economy. Um, like locally or like nationally Mm -hmm. and basically buy things or encourage to buy things that you don't need. Mm -hmm. Well, it's this idea. So I think it's something that happens. It happened, I would say after, you know, perhaps 9-11, after a lot of different wars have happened, even something I think we can see after the pandemic that there's, this significant pressure that's put on people in a country to maintain their economy. And we saw this a lot during COVID, especially, right? Like support local, support local, keep eating out, keep shopping at these restaurants and grocery stores and buying from people because, you know, it's your responsibility to keep the economy going, right? And so... Yeah, I I didn't agree with that. Yeah, so it's like this idea that you need to be buying things and spending money to be a good participating citizen in your society. And so I think that's something that we probably saw a lot of, you know, post, obviously this is, would be in like the States and stuff, but during that time in the 2000s and stuff of people staying traveling in America more spending more money there and after wartime you know it's like I think 
maximalism can go along with this idea of patriotism and responsibility for your country's economy. I don't know if that's totally making sense what I'm saying, but but yeah, like you were saying, consumerism is definitely a huge thing that goes into maximalism. And this might not be as interesting for Julian, but it's interesting for me. And if there's any gals or people who are have been huge makeup consumers listening, I think if you're on YouTube during like 2010 period and up in the 2010s there was this huge normalization in having excessive makeup and so anyone listening if you remember this totally comment on our social media and let us know if you remember this but these people would just be doing these hauls of makeup hundreds of items of basically the exact same piece of makeup and I think that really normalized this idea of excess. But I remember watching those videos and people would justify their purchases sometimes by saying, oh, well, oh, I probably didn't need this, but oh, money's going into the economy and stuff, right? So I think that Mm. shows (laughs) this normalization of like, well, it's okay if I'm spending more than I need to because the money's helping our economy. So it's good. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of um, sector, not sectors, but categories of our economy that are mm-hmm. kind of made up. They're unnecessary. Um, again, maybe some of the stuff in the beauty makeup world is yeah. unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think here of another one. Even just like random toys and stuff. Mm, for sure. <laughs> well, I think where we've seen the switch now is it's gone from like makeup hauls online more so towards skincare hauls that's been a huge thing kind of a trend right now has gone from having really glam makeup to having i think what they are calling it is um like clean girl makeup or something Mm -hmm. which (laughs) like clean girl makeup is not a there's a lot of negative connotations with that and know potential classism and racism that comes with this ideation that people are having with this clean girl aesthetic what is that what does that mean well it's basically the idea of having almost being really naturally beautiful so wearing makeup but it doesn't really look like you're wearing makeup Mm. and so it's actually, you know, typically buying like really expensive products, spending a lot of money and time on your skincare to try and have really mm-hmm. beautiful skin. Of course, it's more expensive. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of people getting, you know, small cosmetic surgeries and things to try and have this visual appeal, but that's not something that's accessible or attainable to a lot of people, right? And so now instead of seeing all of these makeup hauls, we're seeing all of these skincare hauls and skincare routines where people are using like 10 to 20 products on their face in their, you know, nighttime routine to just such excess that obviously these products aren't actually all doing anything and it's not attainable. So it's creating this, you know, consumerism desire where people are like, oh, I need to buy this product. I need to buy that. Mm-hmm. I I just, yeah, I could not handle it. (laughs) I like brushing my teeth and going in bed. (laughs) 
That's true. Even, even when I get out of the shower, I don't even use a comb. I just <laughs> flop her to one side and I'm ready to go. Hey, that's not true. You've been using your hair tonic. Oh, twice I've used hair. And that's only because my hair is getting so long that it's just like, it's so messy. <laughs> yeah. Julian's growing his hair out, you guys. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> Another area that we definitely see this in is fast fashion, right? Like, wow, there's so much consumerism and I guess maybe you could say maximalism coming from fast fashion and the fact that people can, for such affordable prices, get so much clothing. It's really kind of changed the game there. And now we see a lot of stuff on on YouTube and things like that of like fashion hauls and on Instagram too you see you know someone will spend hundreds of dollars on clothing on multiple pieces of clothing to make a five to ten second reel where they like snap their fingers and they try on each piece of clothing and then it's like okay after you made your reel what's happening with that clothes where is it going Mm -hmm. so it's like so much is being spent on maintaining and I guess essentially creating and curating this online image but you're still buying that stuff that stuff's being created for you but are you using it again after you create your five second reel for Mm -hmm. a couple hundred people to like and comment a couple of heart eye emojis under (laughs) it reminds me of Kanye West's store there oh yeah the homeless (laughs) the same way um the clothes it's like why would you buy something that you have to dig through a bag mm-hmm. to get yeah Kanye West is I don't know if anyone else if you've heard of this but these new pop-up clothing stores that he's doing I don't know a lot about it I just saw something on social media quickly but essentially you know he's really playing a joke on everybody who's falling into this whole consumerism thing as he's selling all of this clothing I think it's all just like kind of black and gray, dark colors with, you know, no unique design mm-hmm. to them. And you have to go in the store and dig your clothes out of garbage bags. Yeah, it's and so, so it's, stupid. It's really playing on this idea of the desperation that people have to purchase things that they're like, yeah, I'll go in a store where I'm paying hundreds of dollars for a piece of clothing and I'm going to, you know, dig it out of a trash bag. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The silliness. I pity the fool. (laughs) The the silliness of some people and what they buy. Mm -hmm. It's almost like gifts too at the traveling gift shops and stuff. That's something actually that doesn't, (gasps) necessarily need to be there how often do you like i when i was a kid i would always want those things Mm -hmm. and i guess that's why they have them there it's probably mostly for the kids and little trinkets and toys well it's for the kids to beg their parents to buy for them yeah exactly (laughs) and when it's how often do they you buy them and then they just sit yeah, who actually needs a shot glass or a keychain with the name of a city or somewhere you visited. <laughs> like, it's just silly things Yeah, that we have in excess. Cool. Yeah, and I was, uh, I was looking at, um, I think that's a benefit of um, maximalism. I was looking at uh, benefits of minimalism. And, you know, the Google search autofill, <laughs> I searched 
benefits of M-I-N. And what showed the first result, benefits of minimum wage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just laughed. That's pretty funny. It's like, hmm, Mark Zuckerberg is really getting into those Google searches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Bezos. But um, (laughs) it actually was just um, the benefits of having a minimum wage that so people can't get taken advantage of. So, so that's a little bit the actual benefits, not just trying to bamboozle <laughs> us into accepting less. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, for minimalism, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Steve Jobs, he wore the same outfit every day. Well, not the same actual piece of clothing, but multiple. Yeah. Like he had multiple pieces that yes. looked the same. Yeah. Yeah. And he did that because he didn't want to use energy thinking about what to wear. <laughs> and I think that's a that would be a big benefit mm-hmm. of minimalism. I mean, even myself, I, <laughs> I have 15 of the same shirt. Yes, Julian does. <laughs> he found a shirt that he likes, so we bought it in like every single color. Yes. It's comfy. I don't need, then I can just choose a color. I don't need to look through all my clothes and figure it out. Yeah. I like it. On the idea of fashion and kind of the mental space that it takes to dress yourself, I think that's interesting because we've also seen for sure a difference during COVID and post-COVID times in how people express themselves in fashion. I would say during COVID, a lot of people were leaning towards being very minimalist in their fashion right we're all at home we're dressing comfy mm-hmm. not really Sweats dressing for other people or no pants and zoom <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so fashion was translated to comfort and then now that things have opened up again in the world i think we're seeing this trend more towards maximalism where people are wanting to wear bright exuberant clothing they're wanting to layer things wear different accessories because they're really wanting to be seen and to make a statement in their fashion pieces so i think it's really interesting how much just in our little conversation here we've been able to notice that covid has impacted people wanting to be minimalist versus maximalist Mm -hmm. well we went on a couple dates um, before we moved to ontario here and we both got really done up for him, but that was like our only time we went out during COVID. <laughs> so it was like a big deal. And it's the same. I agree with you there that we like, we wanted to go up. We wanted to look nice when we're going out and we missed the, the, the getting ready and showing yeah. off. Yeah. Personality. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Well, is there any other benefits of maximalism that you can, Um, think of well I think when it comes to maybe home decor when it so minimalism it's pretty easy to recognize the benefits if you want a really calm space you want calm colors you want good storage system so you're not seeing your stuff it's easy to be like okay I can see the benefits of that but maximalism I think actually does have a lot of benefits because people like If you really love your stuff, it can make you feel really at home and comfortable to see everything. Mm -hmm. And if you're a very creative person, you might want your space to have 
bright, vivid colors and lots of different textures and every space filled. And that's what's going to really energize you and feed your creativity and make your home feel like a comfortable space for you. So it just depends what your personality is and what you need from your home. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's, I wouldn't say there's a right or a wrong way to go about it. I think it's a very personal decision. Yeah, and the maximalism, I agree with you there, that it provides more expression mm-hmm. and you're able to um, show that. But like in terms of how comfortable you feel in your space, there's, um, I don't know if many of you know, but like obviously meditation and mindfulness is not just always calming yourself down. And, and in order to regulate yourself, sometimes... That meditation is looking at bright colors, Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. And like some people are like need that extra stimulation. Some people need less stimulation to feel baseline. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it's individual to each uh, each person. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's our episode for today. Awesome. Well, I hope this was enjoyable to listen to. I know it was a little bit chaotic with us floating around the lake and (laughs) I think we went off topic at least I know I went off topic a bit but hopefully it was still (laughs) fun to listen to hopefully it's not too too bad and well there will be a few edits so (laughs) we'll skip around too much (laughs) let us know if you liked this idea though because we would definitely be down to do you know filming more episodes out in different spaces if you have any recommendations on a place you think it would be fun mm-hmm. for us to try and film an episode we're down to try it out yeah and if you also if you have a problem with the audio let us know um because <laughs> if it's too bad maybe we just have to figure out a different solution so yeah of course filming right now we have no idea what this is going to sound like hopefully it's okay yes yeah cool but yeah if you uh make sure you leave a comment on youtube send us an email if you have a topic you want us to cover and uh, write us a review on the platform you listen on. Yeah, please write us a review and recommend us to your friends if you enjoy listening and help us grow our community here. <laughs> awesome. See ya. Bye. <laughs>